You unlock this door with the key of imagination. Beyond it is another dimension. A dimension of sound. A dimension of sight. A dimension of mind. You're moving into a land of both shadow and substance, of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into the Twilight Zone. What is happening? It's You're listening to the AME Radio Show. Welcome to the AME Radio Show. I'm your host, Jason Dowd, and we've got a great show for you guys this week. I hope that you guys are here to sit down and chat with me about art, music, and entertainment. Now, some of the stuff we have to talk to you today about isn't necessarily art, music, and entertainment related, but it's so stupid I have to talk to you about it. And actually, I got offended, believe it or not. It takes a lot to offend me, but this actually kind of offended me a little bit. And so I'm going to tell you what that's all about here in a little bit. However, I hope you guys had a great week. I hope you guys were productive. And I hope you guys challenge yourself to create something amazing for the world around you. And for the first time in eight months, I was actually able to get out and, and do a photo shoot, which is so so awesome. I met this amazing person. The photos are, are coming out phenomenal, and they're part of my Beautiful People of the World series. I kind of started it on and off for the last couple of years, but it's been hard for me to get actual people from these locations. I'm going to try to do 196 countries. That's every country in the world. Photographing them, putting it all together, and taking it around to educate people about why diversity is so beautiful. And hopefully understand why the people do what they do and stop racism. And that's going to be for another show when I'm going to get on my uh, my uh, soapbox about that. But regardless, if you want to check it out, go to imaginationartstudios.com. And if you happen to live in the Tampa Bay area or nearby areas and you want to be a part of this and you're part of the countries that we need, I would be happy to uh, bring you on. You don't have to be a model. We want real people. So, we have two great guests coming up today, which I'm really excited for. We have Danielle Taylor, and she is a singer-songwriter, and she wrote a song that's just released called Dead and Gone. We're going to be playing that after her interview. She is also a huge Disney buff. We are Disney geeks, so I'm really excited to be able to talk to her about her passion, Disney, and her music. Then we have Abby Worthen coming on. She is an actress in a brand new horror movie called Besetment. And uh, this is an amazing movie. I know you guys are going to want to go check it out when you get a chance, so please do that as well. And before we get into anything of importance today, go to our website, www.theamemagazine.com. We don't charge any subscriptions, but it is a porthole to all the AME experience, which is our television, radio, and magazine, and our social media network. So hit us up on those two, and it's at uh, Twitter, which is at Dowd Studios, and Facebook, which is facebook.com forward slash the AME experience. All right, so let's get into some news here. We got some crazy things going on. Uh, this is not art, music, or entertainment related, but you, you have all heard of the, the case with Michelle Carter. She was the young lady who urged her boyfriend to commit suicide, and she was actually on the phone with him when he was there to do it. She forced him to go through with it. She she encouraged him, and he did it, and he's dead now. And uh, she has just been found guilty on manslaughter. This one completely blows my mind. Um, I'm shocked. You know, for somebody that is supposedly your boyfriend or your, your girlfriend encouraging you to kill yourself, that's just that's just so messed up. I don't. I kind of wonder where the world's coming to in these days. Also, Bill Cosby's jury came back deadlocked. The judge ordered them to return and continue to work harder to come up with a verdict. But if the comedian's jury fails to find him guilty or not guilty, the trial will result in a hung jury, and then it will be up to the state to either decide to retry Cosby or let the matter drop. Not sure about that yet, but we'll see what's going to happen. Also in Los Angeles, uh, the, the city of Los Angeles will keep the Batman spotlight lit high into the sky to honor Adam West, who passed away at the age of 88 a week ago. West was best known for playing Batman on the 1970s television series. He's, became, he's become one of the most iconic faces in television superheroes and continues to be a beloved individual to all pop culture television lovers today. Then we have um, this thing about Marvin Wright. This is actually blowing me away. Marvin Wright, uh, he is a senior at the North Carolina Edgecombe High School. He had the privilege and honor, because of his academic achievement, to address the student body in the 2017 graduation that he was a part of. He took two weeks to prepare a speech, only to find out from his school that he would have to read a prepared speech by them instead. Wright decided to decline that mandate and read his own speech. Now, this is, this is what he says about it. He says, I feel like they had tried to belittle me in a way because I had more to say. I feel like they couldn't describe the ways that I felt the things that I had ex experienced. There are only four sentences, and I was 
And I was like, I worked really hard on this speech, and the senior class president, I, sh- I should be able to read my own speech. He's right. They were like, no, you're going to read what, w- what we want you to read. So Wright, uh, as we stated, decided to do his own speech, and he came up with, and when he came up to get his diploma on stage, he was shocked to find out the school actually refused him to give it to him. They decided not to give him his diploma that he earned. And to this day, he has still not been given the diploma. His parents were not able to get it back either. Wright feels his First Amendment rights were violated, and they were, and the matter is still, go- is still ongoing. His rights were absolutely violated in this case. He worked 12 years to get this, and because he didn't follow what the school wanted to do and forced him to say, which, he, it, honestly, to force him to read a speech, that means that he has to also acknowledge and accept and approve of what he's saying. You can't do that. I don't care what it is. You don't have the right to do that. And they decided to violate him on this. And as you know, I'm a big First Amendment uh, proponent. Regardless how screwed up it may be, it is your right to be able to speak what you want. He earned this right. He wrote a speech. He had the right to speak that speech to his classmates. And I hope he gets his diploma. So the last thing I have for you guys actually has nothing to do with art, music, and entertainment, but it's something that I read in, the, in a magazine today, and I think it's something that we really need to address because it is completely screwed up. And honestly, it's one of the few things that have actually offended me. Now, if it doesn't get any more strange in this world that we live in right now, modern parents have found a new way to make things even crazier. A new trend in modern parenting is parents asking their infants permission every time they pick them up. The reason is going to make you say, what the hell? They are doing this to male babies to combat the rape culture. Now, let me tell you something here. A infant is the age between one, a zero, and two years old. They say that by doing this, they teach their sons that his body is his and other bodies are theirs, and no one gets the right to make choices about someone else's body. That's true, but you're doing it in the wrong way. They say that through the mannerisms given by the, given by the infant that they know that they're okaying them to pick them up. <laughs> this is where I completely draw the line. This is completely stereotypical and honestly one of the few things that I've actually been offended by. I'm, a, I'm actually angry about this. Now think about this for a minute. How will an infant, a human that can't even freaking walk nor communicate with verbal language nor know what their body parts are or what they're used for, learn to respect another person's bodily rights and what their genitals are used for and when you should and should not use them by, allowing, by telling them, asking them permission to pick them up. You know what? I have a better way of doing this, and it's less degrading and stereotypical, and it's called parenting. Oh, my God, what a concept, right? Here's what I got to say about that. Teach your child to respect others. Set an example for them in your own actions, and take a good role in their lives. So important. We're always on our, on our tablets, on our computers, on our phones, watching television, and completely, we're next to our children, but we're not involved with our children's lives. Ask them questions. See what they're thinking. Just be a part of it more. Okay? That's important. Then, teach them right and wrong. So many times we don't do that. We just assume that they know what's right and what's wrong. Fathers should show them how to treat a lady by how they treat their wife and their son's mother. If they see that their father is always abusing their mother, talking down to her, forcing her to do things, how do you think that the, that, that son is going to treat his girlfriend or wife in the future? The exact same way. Teach your son to respect themselves and have respect for life. And most importantly, remember, it is okay to say no. It's important for children to learn the word no. By doing this, you help them understand that you can't get everything that you want in life. The reason a lot of men do rape is because they want to be with that girl. They don't want to accept the word no, that they can't have that girl, and they will go after that girl and rape her because they feel that they are entitled to it. When you don't hear the word no and you don't set boundaries, they believe that they are entitled to anything. This is why we have an entitled community out there of people of all ages. This is why we have people that are spoiled rotten. Because they don't understand the word no, and when they throw a tantrum, we give in to them. By telling them no, it's, you're telling them it is okay, the world's not going to end, but you've got to accept this, and you've got to realize that you don't have to have this in order to have a good life. It's just something you want. <sighs> so we've got to stop the entitlement by doing that. Now, also, show your son love, because that is the proper and better way 
to address the issue of the rape culture. Show them it's they got to respect, they cannot be entitled, and they got to love people. Stereotyping males to this only makes them realize that, hell, you know what? I am a labeled rapist because I'm male, so I might as well live up to the label. We are in a society where people want to stop labels, yet we're creating new ones towards males. Now, could you imagine if we did this exact same thing for infant girls and young girls, teaching them not to dress like sluts or provoke men in the way that they dress or act? Oh my God, the world would come to an end. That's what I got to say about that. I hopefully, And hopefully you guys agree with me on this. And if you want to respond back to me, hit me up on Twitter. It's at Dowd Studios. I want to know what you think about this. And we got to stop the labels. And remember, be a part of your child's life. Okay, guys, we're going to go to a quick commercial break. And when we come back, we got Daniel Taylor on the line. So don't go anywhere. Do you love horror? The strange and unusual fantasy creatures or urban legends? Do you want to step inside a dream or nightmare? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then you should check out internationally exhibiting artist Jason Dowd and his award-winning photographic collections by visiting www.imaginationartstudios.com. Get inside his mind and experience his inner weird. <laughs> Hey, this is Jen Lowy from Days of Our Lives, and you're listening to AME Radio Show. Welcome back to the show, everybody. I have on the line with me a special guest. Her name is Danielle Taylor, and she is a adult contemporary pop artist, singer-songwriter. She's got it all going on for her, and we're here to talk to her about her career. So welcome to the show, Danielle. How are you doing today? I'm great. I'm great. Thanks, Jason, and thanks for having me. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. This is a lot of fun. I love talking to people that are inspiring uh, to do what they love to do the most and make a living out of it, because I'll tell you what, if we're not doing what we love to do, it's just work, right? I totally agree. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you get started in the uh, music industry? When did, when, how, how old were you? Well, industry-wise, um, I started in 2008. Um, I, I, I have a very classical background. I played the clarinet, you know, starting in, like, third grade and went all the way through high school and college and all that stuff. Um, so 2008, I started wanting to actually, like, sing and try to do something, but I didn't know how to play anything other than the clarinet. So I tried the guitar first, and it was really hard. <laughs> so I decided, you know, I know where all those keys are on the piano, so I just got a piano and um, I got one off of Craigslist and I worked really hard at learning it and practiced like six hours a day and then just started writing songs. I wrote a ton. They were horrible in the beginning. <laughs> but you know, it's the 10,000 hours thing. You do it a lot. It gets better. And then eventually um, people who know their stuff will start to talk to you and give you advice down the road. So you just have to get to a point past like horrible where you're okay for that to happen. <laughs> and then they give you advice and you can get better. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know that all too well, and you know, there's so many people that are afraid to get out there and try what they want to do because they expect that, that they have to be like superstar level, you know, coming right out the gate. And yeah. you know, uh, even when I started my stuff, I was scared when I was doing my photography and stuff. And I look back at it now, and yeah, some of it was pretty crude, but you know what? I've learned so much, and now I got to the point where my stuff's all over the place. And you got to be persistent. So obviously, you have the persistence inside of you. Thanks. Thank you. And that's so cool about your photography, by the way. Congratulations. Well, thank that's you. amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is hard to, like, it's hard to have patience with yourself. I think that's the biggest lesson, right? Because everybody gets better at anything they do for a very long time, and it really doesn't matter. You know, if your job is to nail a hammer into the wall, you're going to be the best at it if you do that for five years, mm -hmm. you know? So I think you get better no matter what. It's just having patience and, and you know, keeping that perseverance there, remembering why you got into it continuing to love whatever it is that you're doing and that kind of thing because that's what keeps you going you know little successes is, that's my that's my big catchphrase you always need a little success like um you know for me right now my little successes are like i just got some music on the radio on Sirius XM. so that kind of stuff is cool being able to talk to you these kinds of things are really great for me mm -hmm. um just in my own path of perseverance you know so when something doesn't happen that you wanted to have happen, you can look back and be like, you know what, so I've, came, I've come a really long way, 
done so many things, and just recently these really cool things have happened. So I think that's important. <laughs> and what's really cool is that you were able to have a, the, the base of a, like a classical training with the clarinet, but what's uh, even cooler is that the adult contemporary, you could probably infuse that in some of your songs. I mean, look at, look at Kenny G and what he's been able to do with that little sax that he has. I don't know the exact name mm -hmm. of that saxophone, but he's done some pretty cool things that you could probably infuse. Um, I've been hearing a lot of music out there today where there's some you know, very interesting instruments being used in it, and it's a lot of fun. It's, it, it keeps it fresh. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's fun to bring in a lot of different outfit stuff. I would. I think it would be fun to play the clarinet. I haven't honestly even touched it, and I don't know since I started doing the piano. Like I kind of shifted focus, but I don't. I doubt that you lose that. You know, I was I was pretty all right before, so I, I think I probably could be okay at it again. Um, but I I love bands like like the Dave Matthews Band is one of my favorite bands, mm -hmm. and they have um, you know they have that violin player and they have the sax player plus all the regular you know piano, guitar, drums, you know all that stuff. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's really cool when you can bring in outside influence from a lot of different genres to uh, to, to influence your stuff, because that's what it ends up making music sound unique instead of the cookie-cutter, you know, factory farm music that, that sometimes gets put out. And I think that's one of the biggest things that's going on with the music industry today is that everything is so cookie-cutter. You know, I remember mm -hmm. back in the day, I'm, I'm talking like early 90s and stuff like that, you could hear a rap song or any type of song, and you knew exactly who sang it because it was so unique, so, you know, fresh and, and, and yeah. fun. And now today it's like, I can't tell who's who. You know, I, I, if, I, yeah. if I don't know that person and I don't know where that came from, I'm like, I, 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 could, not get, I could not tell you who, who that belonged to. And I think we need to get away from that. So how are you staying away and staying fresh and, you know, making your, your music unique? Well, I'm the only one writing my songs right now. Um, <laughs> no, I don't have, like, some big... Um, I mean, I work with my producer, and, and when you work with a producer, they help, you know, write a little bit of it. But mostly it's you and your house by yourself just coming up with whatever you come up with, you know. Um, so I think that what artists end up... I think it's probably really hard. I mean, I'm not at that point yet. I don't really know. But I think that when you are a young artist, and you're brand new onto a label, and they tell you, okay, you're going to be working with this writer. He's written tons of hit songs, so you're going to automatically be a hit right out the gate. We need to make our money back on however much we've invested in you. I think it's hard to say, yeah, that doesn't work for me. You know what I mean? Like, it's hard to keep, you know, the core of what you do as a musician there. Um, and I think a lot of times there's a lot of shortcuts today. You know, like, I think YouTube is a shortcut sometimes for people. Like, if you sing... Uh, if you have a pretty voice and you sing, or an interesting voice, and you sing a cover song on YouTube and, you know, you have a million hits on it, a label's going to seriously consider you. Mm -hmm. And if they're looking at you considering you, um, you don't have any original songs of your own. You, don't, you haven't done a lot of the legwork to kind of solidify who you are as an artist, so you're very malleable, and they can do whatever they want with you, which is sometimes exactly what they want. But I think the risk in that is, one, you're going to sound just like everybody else because you're not bringing any of your own unique sound or perspective to the song. And two, you might be a flash in the pan because there's nothing solid there, you know. So, I mean, I think the way to stay away from that is to grind it out, you know. And, and it's so hard because you want to you be at such a higher level than wherever you're at most of the time probably. But I think by doing the work, you know, paying your dues, as they say, you really discover who you are as an artist, and you get better because you're performing all the time, so you get really comfortable doing it, um, and that's always what makes it, I think, better. You know, being nervous or something on stage kind of hinders your ability to be awesome. So um, you get really comfortable, you do your thing, and then people love what you're creating, and then it's undeniable. People can't take that away from you, which is, I think, what, you know, people like, like Rachel Platten has kind of done that. Um, she had a really long road getting to where she's at. Adele did that, which is why she's so different. Bruno Mars, different, did that, you know. Uh, Macklemore, different. So I think all the people that, you know, we love as artists across genres who are different are the ones who stuck to their guns and had a very long journey getting to wherever they got to. <clears throat> mm -hmm. But worth it in the end, you know. Well, I know that from you know, experience because I worked with a couple of bands and stuff and, you know, the the music industry has this facade about it, you know, because we, we saw people like Elvis and, uh, you know, Michael Jackson and all these guys, you know, they just they just walked into the studio, they, they, made, they made millions, they came out, you know, just 
rich beyond their wildest dreams. Everybody knows their name, which is cool. You know, that's a really cool mm -hmm. thing to, to have happen to you. But the one big thing that we forget about it is that those people had money, and they were able, not, not the, necessarily the singers, but the labels, and then they took those people and made them who they are. And a lot of the times today, labels are just not signing maybe because of the change in the way that you know the uh, digital downloads are and stuff like that but they're just not signing mm -hmm. as many people so it's like I'm, I love this in, the indie movement because you have full control over your music you don't have to be like what you said you know the, a cookie cutter person where they just make you a flash in the pan they get their money back out of you and they kick you to the curb and that was one of the things that uh, I believe um, uh, I forgot their name was uh, they, they sang uh, Losing My Religion back in the day, um, R.E.M. You know, they were having problems with, with, with that type of scenario. So, you know, going the indie route, I think people get in there and they kind of get like a little bit heartbroken and, dis and disheartened right, at, right out the gate because they're like, well, this isn't exactly what I thought, and they give up on it. Um, you yeah. probably experiencing that now, you know, as an as a, as a artist and stuff. What type of things have you been able to overcome to make what you're doing possible? Um, I mean, money is always a hard part of it, you know. Uh, a lot of times, I think there are probably tons of people who write amazing, beautiful songs that never get made, so no one ever hears them, so no one ever knows, you know. The difficult thing about being a musician these days, um, I mean, it's kind of cool because YouTube does exist, so if you have um, just a guitar or a piano or whatever, and you can just play it and sing at the same time, you technically can put your song out, but in order to do it in a way that's going to earn you any money ever, um, you have to put a lot of money into it, you know? Mm -hmm. And that always ends up being one of the hardest challenges, I think, because um, the whole music industry has suffered since the streaming thing started. And I know you make a lot of money, or you can make money streaming, um, but it's a one-off, which is why people like Taylor Swift and Adele um, have, have moved their music into different platforms that are paying the artists more money and, you know, all that stuff. Um, so I think money is a big part of it, and the one you know, I I did my EP, my very first one, um, in 2011, but it took me 10 months to save up the $5,000 that it cost to make that record, yeah. because I was I worked a regular job and I had to like save my money and eat you know noodle ramen, ramen noodles for dinner every night. Like you got to save your money; it takes a long time. Um, I crowdfunded for my second record, so or my second EP, and that's how I did that one. Um, that one got me some. Um, it ended up earning me some money, which was nice. And then I used a tax refund and credit cards and all this other money to make my newest record. Which, and I think part of it too is that nobody ever talks about how much records actually cost. Mm -hmm. You know, people don't know how much it costs to make one song or how much it costs to make a full record. Whereas if you go to a movie um, or a sports event or something, they'll be like, "Oh, this movie costs the studio I don't even know how many millions of dollars to make." This is how much they earned their opening week. Money is a part of the conversation in, in just, you know, social settings, whereas in music, it's completely hush-hush, you know? So no one knows. I get people all the time um, asking me, because I cover, I do cover songs sometimes, sometimes and um, like I'll cover an Adele song or an Alicia Keys song or something, and they'll be like, oh, did you record that? And I'm like, no. <laughs> it cost me like twelve dollars to $1,500 to make one song happen just to pay the, the producer, you know, and the engineer. It's not even paying the band or, or the studio that I recorded in or anything like that. So it's pretty expensive. So it's definitely a hurdle to overcome. Um, but the only other thing that I can think of that's been a struggle for me is, is the being different thing, you mm -hmm. know. Um, a lot of times people want you to be the same as everybody else because that's safe. Um, I've had people tell me I can make you famous overnight if you let me write and, and create this entire song for you, you just sing whatever I, whatever I put together. You sing it. You have a good voice. You sing it. And I'm like, mm, no, because I'd hate what I was doing. And to me, it's not necessarily about, I mean, of course, the money would be great, but it's not about being famous and the money part of it. It's about doing something you love for a living. So being able to have a decent, you know, middle American kind of a lifestyle, you know, surviving on your music. And if it goes beyond that, then that's just above and beyond the dream kind of thing, you know, so, at least that. for me. <laughs> I hear that. That's yeah. for sure. So kind of take us a little bit through your writing process. What, what, what types of things do you do to get prepared to write a song? Where do you find your inspiration from? Um, that is a good question. I, uh, I don't know. It's kind of, I'm kind of the same person all the time, and I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. I mean, I have different experiences, but my general internal feeling throughout life is, 
you know, work hard, be a nice person, don't give up on your dream, um, persevere, you can do it. Like all these, like, <laughs> all these happy Disney thoughts, you know, that's kind of who I am as a person and how I go through life. So anytime I ever have a struggle, I come back to this, you can do it, fight through it, don't give up kind of feeling. Mm -hmm. um, so that is always in all of my songs um, in some way or another. But outside of that, just if I want to write a song, I, my general, what I normally do is I go to a coffee shop and um, I sit down and with a, a pad of paper and I just write whatever I'm thinking, literally whatever I'm thinking. So if I see somebody in an argument or if I see some cute little couple, like, you know, kissing and being all, let's say, G-rated for the coffee shop, uh, if I see cool stuff happening, if I see kids playing near a fountain, anything, I write down whatever I'm thinking about, whatever I'm seeing. Um, and normally that spurs off into thoughts, you know, about other stuff because I, I don't want to stereotype all girls, but I'm totally a girl and I'm super chatty. And um, <laughs> so I have a lot to say about a lot of different things that I think. So I just write it all down. And then what I normally do is I, I come home from there and um, I see what makes sense, what I'm, what I'm feeling again in the moment, separate from that one thing. And then I turn it into sort of a story. I guess, if you will, um, I want to make sure that my lyrics make sense away from the music, right? Like if you printed out my lyrics and you read them, would they make sense? Or would you be like, what is she talking about? You know, but to me, it's very important to make sure that my, my lyrics are all cohesive. They say something without music kind of explaining it for you. And then I just, the music is the easiest part for me because that's, you know, that I was pretty much born just singing songs, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, so the music part's pretty easy and I just come up with whatever I feel like is vibing with the lyrics. And the melody part, and I, if it's a really good song, I feel like I bang it out in like maybe 10 minutes. And if it, if it doesn't happen, if I don't get a verse and a chorus down, um, at least the melodies done really quick, I kind of give up on the song, honestly. Um, just because I feel like sometimes it's, you, know, you, you can try too hard to make it cool, and then it's not cool. You yeah. know? So I don't spend a lot of time writing songs. Like I've heard... Like, I heard Pat Monahan from Train writes, like, hundreds of songs, and then his producer will pick out, like, ten that are awesome, you know? I wouldn't finish a song if I didn't think it was awesome. Um, so I give up on hundreds of songs. <laughs> um, but I never go through with the entire process of finishing it, because I'm like, you know, something's not right about it. I'm not vibing it out. And at least for right now, I'm not under any kind of time constraint. So I, don't ha I, can, I have the luxury of waiting until something else does come along, you know? Sure. So. Well, that's hard to do, and that takes a lot of discipline, because sometimes we try to force things to, to become something that they never will be, and that can actually ruin it, like you said. You know, I, I've yeah. done that, too, where I've, like, I, like I, this has got to work. I've got to make this work. It's pa I'm passionate about it, but sometimes you just spend so much time, and then it, you, you look back, it's like, wow, you know, why did I do that? Yeah, yeah, and I mean, it's, it, it is discipline, like you said. I mean, that's a good way to put it. You know, you just have to know, you just have to be honest with yourself. Like, I've... I like this, or I think it could be cool, but it's really not. You know, not right now. Maybe these, maybe these words can fit somewhere else, or maybe I can come back to this idea later, but not right now. It's just not happening right now, so I need to give myself that space. And, you know, trust that my, my experience and my, you know, natural talent, I guess, those two will combine and, and create something that does vibe for me that I'm really into, and then, you know, hopefully other people will be into that. Because I think one of the things about being a songwriter, um, the performer too, but mostly about being the songwriter, is that, you know, you need to be authentic. People can smell inauthenticity, you know, um, a mile away, and they don't like it as much. I think if the person who writes a song is really into it, it doesn't matter who's singing the song. Um, I mean, the person singing it hopefully is into the song too. But if it's a cool song and the, and the vibe is there um, already, mm -hmm. you know, I think people can feel that, and that's why they like songs. That's why they come across so well, and that's why the people who are, like, the main, you know, four guys or whatever in the business who are doing it, I think they are so good at it because they know how to tap into that authentic, like, this is a cool vibe, you know, and they know when to let go of other things that don't work so well. Sure. So tell us a little bit about your CD, the new one that you have out. Uh, what can people experience from it? What do you hope that they take from it when they are done listening to it? Man, you got some good questions. Um, I, my new CD is called 1440. Um, it's called that because it's 1440 seconds before midnight. Um, and I'm like obsessed with time and clocks and stuff. Um, 
And it's really just, for the most part, very, uh, it's got a lot of anthemic songs. The first song is called Warrior, and it's about being a warrior. You know, I was flipping through Instagram, because I love Instagram, and uh, there was a woman who had, like, like, kind of warrior paint. I think she called herself a soldier or something on there. Um, but she she had charcoal all over her body. Um, it was very tastefully done. It was a photograph. You, you know, if you saw it, you might have liked it. Um, but she was holding her super flat, beautiful stomach and covering, you know, herself up. Um, but, but it was very, uh, the emphasis was on her stomach. And then there was a whole paragraph underneath the picture of how she had been trying to get pregnant and wasn't able to, you know. And I haven't ever had, you know, I've never gone through anything like that. I'm not, I'm not a baby person myself, but I felt very um, connected to her. I felt very like, man, that must be so hard to want something like that and just to not physically be able to create the life you want to bring into the world, you know. Mm-hmm. And I liked that she took the picture because she was fighting for herself, you know, um, and just fighting to stay above the, I guess, wave of emotions that she was going through. And I loved that. And then I knew another woman who was going through cancer at the time, and she was fighting through it. And I just, all of these kinds of things, and I was really inspired by these people. Um, so when I was thinking about, you know, different stories, I was thinking these people are all warriors. These people are all fighting th- through and for themselves, you know, through whatever their adversity was. So, I mean, that's the first song. Um, you know, and the, and the whole record kind of goes from the top to the bottom about, like, you know, um, fighting for yourself, fighting for other people, uh, being, I guess, strong and not being afraid to, to live life. Like one of the songs that's on Sirius XM radio right now is RSVP. That's the third song on my record. Um, and that one is about, you know, life is a party. Are you going to come or not? Kind mm-hmm. of thing. So um, they're all kind of like that. I have a couple ballads. Um, and uh, one of the ballads is actually my only sort of... Um, introspective song where it's about it's called is it okay and that one's about um you know i'm i'm a pretty happy person most of the time but i get bad i have my moments and i feel sometimes like because i'm so happy all the time people are weirded out when i get sad (laughs) and they don't know what to do Mm -hmm. and so that song's pretty much like is it okay if i'm just bummed out for the moment like i'll be fine just give me some time to myself so i can kind of get myself back on track you know, right. um, and that one's actually really resonating with more people than I, I'm actually, I'm really surprised because it to me is like a more me song than for other people, but, um, it seems to be really resonating with other people, which is nice. Um, always nice when that happens. And then, uh, it goes back and, the, you know, second to last song is called Roll Back the Clock. And it's all about how everybody has this idea in their mind about better days. You know, like when you're an adult, you're thinking, oh, so carefree when you're a kid and your parents pay for everything. But when you're a kid, you're like, I have all these rules. I'm not allowed to do anything. Can't wait till I'm a grown-up, you know. So you're always looking back in time somewhere or forward in time or whatever. So it sounds kind of about everybody wishes they could go back to some point in time and relive a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but we can't, so let's just hang out here and have a good time. And then the very last song on the record is one of my favorite ones. It's called Family. It's another ballad. And that one's really anthemic and important, I think, because it talks about how across the globe, regardless of your religion, your age, your race, your weight, what you know, societal class you're in, we're all the same. We all want the same basic things. We all care about each other, or at least the people in our circles. You know, um, Every dad, every loving dad, cares about their child just the same way that every child cares about their pet. Every you know, person wants to have a good day. So we're all the same, so we should start being nicer to each other and that kind of thing without being super preachy I think um <laughs> but because <laughs> it can get really you can get a little like okay but um but I love that song I think it's really special so um but yeah that's my thing it's, it's a roller coaster of like stories but mostly the theme is be nice to each other fight for what you want fight for yourself live life because you only get one you know unless you believe in reincarnation and then maybe you get more than one but <laughs> sorry for the most of us only one, so just make the most of it, you know, that's what the theme is. I hope people like it. I mean, I like it, so. <laughs> <laughs> and where can people get it most importantly? 
Um, anywhere that music is gettable. I mean, my website is my favorite way people can get it because they get it directly from me. Um, but you can find it on, you know, iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, Google Music, like literally anywhere that people like music, they can find it. Well, we are just about out of time. So, Daniel, thank you so much for coming on. This has been a great interview, and I love talking to you, and hopefully we'll be able to get you back on here and talk about more music that you have coming out in the future. Yeah, I love that. And, Jason, I really appreciate you having me on, too. And congratulations with all your photography stuff. I think that's really cool. Well, thank you. Yeah. All right, guys, we're going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, we got more, so don't go anywhere. Perfect girl in a perfect house. Every knick-knack resting in a perfect place. Strange man with a dirty brow. Says the world is ending, everyone's pretending. Not to see the boy with his mother now. He's a wildfire, she's a cooling autumn breeze. Twenty-something lovers walking down a midnight street. The moon above shimmers in the summer heat. All these faces every day. Jason Dowd of Imagination Art Studios is proud to announce the release of his steampunk collection, which is currently on tour across the country. There you will see beautiful handmade masks from Venice, Italy that accentuate beautiful women to create amazing stories and feelings to those who visit the collection. Each photo series has a theme, mask, authentic props, and beautifully elaborate outfits, all collaborated in the mind of Jason Dowd to create the right emotion and feeling. The masks come from a shop at Epcot at the Italian Pavilion, where all these photos are on display for you to see. This is one of the biggest accomplishments of his career having his work at Disney. Come see the beautiful first release of the series, which includes Distressed Dancer, Spanish Serenade, The Pied Piper, and Reaching for the Czars. You can see them in person or online at www.imaginationartstudios.com. 
For more information, visit the website. Again, it's imaginationartstudios.com. Our Facebook is Imagination Art Studios. Twitter is at Dow Studios. And Instagram is at Jason Dow. Come and be mesmerized by the masks and the stories behind them. Hi, this is Serena Palmer from Radio Rebel, and you're listening to the AME Radio Show. Welcome back, everybody. I have on the line with me Abby Watson, and she is known for The Bay. And she has just released a brand new movie called The Sentiment, which is kind of like a Twin Peaks-style horror movie. It sounds very interesting. So welcome to the show, Abby. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm great. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're welcome. So this sounds like a very interesting movie. Uh, kind of give us a little bit of a, of a backstory behind it. Um, well, the Setman came along. I was supposed to do another film with the director, Brad Douglas. He was producing another film that ended up falling through. And when we met, I was like, well, we have to work together. And he said, well, I have this script on this shelf. <laughs> I was like, okay, let me read it. So I read it, and I was like, well, let's do this. And three months later, I was flown up to Oregon, and we were shooting the Setman. And it was about a, a woman who lives with her alcoholic mother. She doesn't really have an education. She can't find a job. She's kind of lost. She's looking for something to do. And then she gets a phone call from this woman at a um, small hotel in the middle of Oregon. And it seems like the perfect situation. She gets to live at the hotel. She has a job. She gets away from her mother. And then things go wrong. <laughs> Is it haunted? Is this hotel haunted like one of these things you see on TV, like you go to the side of the road? It's just like one of those creepy places where the neon signs, like, like you know, z- uh, turn on and off and stuff like that. And it's like, oh, that sounds like, that looks like a great place to go. <laughs> well, it's not haunted. Okay. It's not like a ghost aspect to the story. It's more like people being really screwed up. <laughs> mm, I gotcha. Um, yeah. So, Millie, who's played by Marlon Mason, who is phenomenal, um, is the inn owner, and um, she, let's just say she doesn't have all of her, uh, some of her screws <laughs> So, she lives there with her son, Billy, who's played by Michael Myers, and um, the two of them just have other plans for my character. <laughs> Interesting. I don't want to give too much away. No, no, you definitely That's it on June 6th. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You don't want to give anything away with it. Um, kind of give everybody a little bit of uh, insight of why you decided to choose this particular role. Well, when I met Brad, I knew I wanted to work with him. Um, I thought he was interesting, and uh, this other film that we were going to do, it was kind of a role I'd never done before. So, and when we talked about it, it you know, it was like, I knew that he would give me the creative freedom to kind of play with my character, which he absolutely did. And I don't know, to film for two months in the middle of Oregon, which is beautiful. We went to Bend, we went to Mitchell, um, we had a lot of places in between. It was just kind of a perfect, it was perfect timing. It was like June a couple of years ago. The weather was amazing. And we got this great cast together, and then when he said Marlon Mason was jumping on board, um, he worked with Elvis, mm-hmm. so I jumped on the chance. He's like, this is going to be great. Now, have you ever been in any horror flicks before or anything similar to like a like an intense thriller? Yeah, um, I've done some horror films. Um, I did a remake of Bloody Mary. Unfortunately, it got shelved, but that was really fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I tend to find myself, like, on some TV shows, I've ended up in some really bad situations. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I tend to be a victim. My family's really looking forward to the day where I turn that around, and they don't have to watch me, like, die or almost die or be kidnapped or thrown in a van. <laughs> so they're, they're over it. <laughs> so what's been the coolest thing about being in a horror film? Like, I mean, for me, as a, as a I, I actually do art work myself with uh, photographic art and I love actually the horror aspect because of the fact that you can get as creative as you want with it. They have some great costumes, mm-hmm. you know, you can really do some crazy makeup and stuff like that and really make it intense. What has been the best thing about being in a horror flick for you? 
Well, this particular one, it, it was kind of like some horror films. You have to like um, suspend your imagination. This one, the one, the segment, the reason why I loved it so much is because this could happen. We did, we did all like practical effects. We had a really good makeup artist. Um, he came in. His name is Jeff Don. He actually won an Academy. Um, so we had some really amazing pieces. And it's fun to kind of go to that scary place that you never want to go to in real life. Yeah, I hear that. It's, it's fun to watch with an audience and to see what they think. I think more, so the segment is kind of a psychological thriller. There's a lot of like messes with your head. Um, you know, there's not any ghosts. But, um, you definitely will leave the experience feeling creeped out. <laughs> <laughs> Well, see, that's what I love about yeah. horror flicks and is the ones like what you're describing here, the things that can actually happen, because I think that's a little bit more scary to anybody than, say, one of those slasher movies where you get, like, um, you know, Jeff, Jason or Freddy or something like that coming back from the dead. You can't kill him. He, he gets in your dreams and stuff like that. Because a lot, the likelihood of that happening are, you know, probably like a 99 million to one. But something like this, where you can go to a hotel and things go bad, and, and you hear about that on the news all the time. So it gives it more of a reality to it. I think that that is what plays into people's minds when they watch these type of things. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I think that's why people watch horror. I mean, you know, they want to be scared. People want to be scared. That's why they're watching. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't like horror films. <laughs> but I like acting movies. Yeah, absolutely. Now, after being in this particular one, that you're exactly at a hotel, and you're probably at a hotel where you are now, did that kind of, like, freak out when you go to these places now? I mean, do you kind of, like, look under the bed and look in the closets and anything else? Well, it's funny. When we went back for reshoots at the hotel, I, I wouldn't let Brad put me in a room that had a rocking chair. <laughs> 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 Just because I'd creep myself out, and they told me there was, like, a little girl that was a ghost on on, on, that, on the ground. And it just freaked me out. So I was, yeah, like, I'm, I am. I was in the closet. I was behind the shower curtain. <laughs> I think one of the craziest, one of the craziest things, I don't know if you've ever tried it, is lifting up the mattress. Because I've seen like these horrible things that can happen about, you know, people, you know, being dead underneath there and stuff like that. From like somebody like a drug bust or something like that that went bad or something happened. And, um, you know, just, it, I always pick up the mattress, and I always sit there and squint, and I kind of like open up one eye, and I was like, okay, good, there's nothing under there. <laughs> so I've never gone that far. No, I've no. I've never gone that far, and now that's in my head, thank you very much. <laughs> You're <laughs> welcome. <laughs> I never even thought to do that. <laughs> well, you know, I went into this um, really cool thing at Bush Gardens, and they did, they had a, like a haunted hotel down there, but it wasn't really necessarily haunted, but it was just, the way that they did this particular haunted house was just phenomenal. And, you know, that's what I, that's what really kind of gave it the creep factor because it's like, man, I've been in a hotel like this before, you know, just driving down the street on the side of the road somewhere like a little motel. And it's it's a really cool feeling. It's a really cool effect. And um, I know it, it it made, that's what started making me look at his bed. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And now everybody knows that about you. That's right. <laughs> I mean, I'm not scared of anything, really. I'm not. I'm really not scared, but it just makes you wonder, like, what's under there, you know? Like, like, like those doors when you go to these hotels, and it's, there's just a door in the middle of the wall, and it's got like a lock right. on both sides. It's like, what's behind this? You know? It's like you want to open it up, but you don't want to open it up because it's like, you know, one of those horror flicks. It's like, oh, you know, it's dark outside. Let's go running into the shed because that sounds like a great place to go. You know, that's one of the things you just don't want to open. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm a big chicken. Like, I am a huge chicken. It's, I think that's one reason I like to do horror films, because it just, you know what goes on. You know, that you know, like, it takes the fear out of it a little bit for me, which is nice. Right. Um, but I, I don't like watching them at all. <laughs> so is it kind of like a little bit of therapy for you? Like, sometimes, you know, when you, when you completely indulge yourself in something... Um, it makes it not so scary anymore. It makes it a little bit more realistic, depending on what you're, what type of you know things you're dealing with with something. Has it been like more therapeutic for you to maybe like kind of get up your your uh, your endurance for horror or just being scared a little bit? 
I'm going to dabble a little bit more in, like, I'll go to the movie theater every once in a while. So it's like a good horror film that, like, my friend and my husband will want to see. I, I will go, but I don't like it. And I have to plan it around, like, if he's going on any trip and I'm going to be home alone, mm-hmm. then that, that's just not happening. <laughs> so, I'm just not going to go see that movie. I need at least, like, a six-week window to get it out of my head. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I've got, you know, I've got my things that I have to do if I want to see a horror film. <laughs> so kind of tell everybody about where, when this movie's coming out, where they can see it, and uh, maybe even buy it on, on DVD if it's coming out on DVD or any type of video on demand. Yes, so it's going to be out everywhere on all streaming um, things, uh, iTunes, Netflix. You're going to be able to see it on June 6th. Um, I believe it's also on Amazon. And, and then on August, Third, I believe, you can buy it on Blu-ray and DVD. We're going to have all the special features. So there will be deleted scenes. There will be the director's commentary. And our director is a wacky guy. So you'll definitely want to hear that. <laughs> so I would suggest maybe picking up a copy. Um, and that will be available June 3rd. Awesome. Now let's kind of... Really excited about <laughs> Let's kind of talk a little bit about your career here, too, because I'm, I'm always interested to find out how people get into what they want to do and what they're passionate about and some of the things that they've had to overcome to get there. What kind of got you started into acting, and uh, how old were you, and what were some of the first things you got into? Um, well, when I was a kid, I would just kind of get the neighborhood kids together and do plays, and that was, like, one of my favorite things to do, and I just remember having my very clear visions, even as, like, a young child, that I wanted to, like, put on clothes and have an audience. Um, so my mother enrolled me in directing some children's theater. I was, I was living in Kentucky. I grew up in Kentucky. And um, I did my first play at the, the Lexington Opera House, and it was a big house, and I, did a, I was one of the little girls in Madeline, and it was, as soon as I did that play, I was like, I have to do this forever. So, um, I went to University of Kentucky for a little while, and I studied theater, and then I met a photographer in Cincinnati, Ohio, and he took some headshots of mine, and I just sent them around, and it was back in the day when people like to oh, you snail mail, remember right. that? <laughs> um, and so I sent them to some casting directors in New York, and I got a call from Judy Blythe Wilson, and she is the casting director of all my children. And she said, are you in town? I'd love to bring you in. And I, I was like literally like lying at my dad's house, taking a nap. I was thinking about dropping out of college. <laughs> <laughs> and this phone call woke me up and I was like, I'll be back next week. I've never been to New York in my life. Um, and I told her that I was home visiting family and then... I packed up my car, and then I think I drove to New York. So, it, New York was really welcoming to me. It was really amazing. It was like, I got my sad car, all my children. Um, I just had a small reoccurring gig on that. And then things just started working out. So, yeah, it was it was kind of perfect. And then I moved to LA a bunch of years ago, and that was not so easy. <laughs> <laughs> But that took a while to kind of get in the flow of things, and there's so much more competition there, and everyone's an actor. And, um, but I just, I, I always knew what I wanted to do. Hmm. That's good when you when you when you know that, you know, because it's it's something you can you can push forward to, and it's so rewarding after you've been able to accomplish it that you could say, "Wow, I did this," you know, and you've reached that goal. There's nothing more refreshing than reaching that goal. Every time I walk on a studio lot, I literally take a moment to be grateful. It's, it's still, even after I've been doing this for 16 years, <laughs> it's still like a magic moment for me, and I hope I never lose that, just because I worked so hard to get there. It, it's, it's one of those things, like, wow, I'm a kid from Kentucky, and I'm here on a lot in Los Angeles, and it's just magical every single time. What was one of the biggest things that you had to encounter to become an actress that was maybe like that big wall that was put up? Everybody has something different, but it's just so interesting to see what that wall is and how you managed to overcome it. Um, well, I had a weird childhood. I was um, I was pretty sick for a long time. I was, I was sick with a 
nerve disease until I was about 19, and then I went into remission. Um, so my parents were really, and I was in and out of hospitals, I was in the hospital, and um, it was kind of life-consuming, and, you know, my parents didn't really think I'd have much of a future because I was so sick. Um, so when I was in remission longer than six months, I was like, I've got to leave. I've got to go to New York. And so I, we were going to do L.A., but then my parents were like, that's really far. Stay on the, on the same coast so we can get you if, if something happens. And so I went to New York, and uh, I've only had a few other square-ups since then, and I've been completely healthy and knock on wood. Um, so that was a big one, you know? And then I just kind of felt like as far as getting an agent um, and getting the union... It was just being at the right place at the right time mm-hmm. and making the right contacts and putting myself out there and doing workshops and you know, it's not perfect. I, I would I still am striving. There's definitely like leaps and bounds in my career that I wanna do. And I'm not there yet. But um yeah, good years and bad years. <laughs> <laughs> so what advice would you give to somebody that's looking to get into the into this particular field? Something that you've learned along the way that has been just so valuable to you? Just don't let anyone tell you no. Like, people will. I mean, that's part of my job daily is to hear, nope, nope, they pass, they pass, they pass. And that's fine because it wasn't my job to begin with. Just, I don't know. I keep going for it. Like, don't give up. If this is your dream, go for it. Your life is too short. Yeah. It's too short. And, you know, I have to do other things sometimes. Like, in the past, I've had to work. I've never been a waitress. That's because I'm very culty. <laughs> <laughs> but you have to, you know, you have to do other jobs. You have to make it work. Mm-hmm. And if you want it bad enough, you make it work. Absolutely. So, I, I mean, I, I, when I first moved to LA, I, <laughs> I pig set for this woman. I watched her giant pig. <laughs> it was a disgusting job, but. <laughs> that's awesome. one of the jobs that helped pay the bills. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's definitely yeah. a new job I haven't yeah. heard of. So that's that's pretty dedicated. Yeah. It was it was interesting. It was one of the stories, the LA story, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, my advice: like, don't give up. What you want to do, do it, and make your own content. Put stuff on tape. Mm-hmm. Find some friends that have the same vision. Write your own roles. That's definitely great advice. Well, we are about two minutes away from uh, our the end of the segment here, so please tell everybody how they can find out more about you and how they can uh, find out more about the movie once again. Uh, the segment and myself, Abby Waffen, I am on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, all under Abby Waffen. Please friend me. I always love to hear from people. And the segment is also um, on Facebook, and we are giving updates daily. So you can find us there. All right. And, again, it's coming out June 6th, everybody, so keep it, keep an eye out for that. And Abby, thank you for coming on and spending some time with me. This has been a lot of fun, and I love learning about your career, and I'm really glad that you're able to be in this movie, and I can't wait to see it when it comes out. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. This is fun. All right. Guys, we're going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, we got more, so don't go anywhere. Hi, this is Dina Martin, and you're listening to my new album, Swing Street. You can get it at dinamartin.com, uh, Amazon, of course, any place where you can get a digital download, Go on to iTunes, but I know you're going to love it. And thank you for listening to me on the radio. Welcome back to the show, everybody. we got about a minute left. And I hope that you had a great time with us today because I know we had a great time with you. And hopefully these guests or any of the guests that we've had in the past have inspired you to get out there and try something creative. Attack your goals because there's nothing that can stop you except for yourself. And that's only if you let, let yourself take you out. So next week, we have some great guests coming up. We have some great content coming up, music and more. You're definitely going to want to tune in next week. And you can do that by going to WKLAP.com every Friday at 12 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. You can also find us every Saturday 
on AMFM 247 Broadcasting Network and their eight AMFM stations across the United States uh, by going to amfm247.com every every Saturday at five and every Saturday at seven o'clock Eastern Standard Time on on uh, radiolove.com. You'll be able to find us there too. You can also find us on iHeart On Demand right now by going to AME Radio Show in the little search box and finding us there or iTunes. All right, guys, that's all we have for you. Be creative and get out there and try something new. Achieve your dreams. Good night, everybody. That's the end. We're done. Calm down, people. Calm down. Okay? That's it.